Balance, Snark versus Non-Snark. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. Secret societies are always recruiting, but beware when they require whiteboarding. Today on the show, we're talking with Michael Lopp, VP of Product Engineering at Slack. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hello, how are you? Oh, doing really well. Thanks do, for being on the show. Do we refer to you throughout as as just Lop, uh, as Rans? How would <laughs> you like us to address single, you? Yeah, single <laughs> syllable we can use. Literally yeah. the most popular opening question for me. Could <laughs> people like, what's your name? <laughs> uh, the backstory. The backstory is, my name is Michael Lop. That's what it says on my birth certificate. There's a middle name. We won't go there. Oh, <laughs> now I want to go there. Uh, Sorry, keep going. It's Lawrence. It's Lawrence. It's Lawrence. Uh, no I was ex- I was expecting it. more exciting than that. Sorry. But not Larry. Not <laughs> no, Larry. That, that's my dad. Oh, Larry. okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, there it is. Um, the uh, but I, I play this guy on the internet named Rands, which is uh, my wife's maiden name. So oh. that's a whole other name. But the uh, work. Um, it's Lop, and it's it's really simple because my first name is Michael, and that does it's not a really good index in this day and age. So <laughs> I was uh, I was working at uh, Pal, uh, sorry Pinterest, um, and I was getting introduced to the exec team, and Ben Silverman, the CEO, was like, "Okay, this is uh, Michael D'Angelo. He's the head of people. This is our general counsel, Michael Yang, and this is the new head of engineering." <laughs> We only hire Lop. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we've had nice. four or five Roberts in our very small company's very short history. Yeah. So yeah, that's a thing that yeah. happens. Well, it's just yeah. easy. Oh yeah, that's definitely <laughs> Lop. In Lop's a little bit unique, so that makes sense. Well, so Lop, uh, tell us about your yeah. path to leadership and management, where you are today at Slack. Um, so I started in my first leadership gig. Well, leadership comes from everywhere, but the first time I actually was like anointed a leader was back at Netscape. Um, before that I was working at Borland and, uh, some other places before that, but I got first anointed with the management title when I was at, when I was at Netscape, Tony walked in my office. He's like, Hey, Michael. I'm like, who's that? And he says, no, he didn't say <laughs> yeah. that. Um, um, and he said, way hey, cooler in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, no, I paid a lot. I'm like, hey, Tony, what's going on? Um, you know, he said, hey, you want to be a manager? Um, no, he said, hey, no, he didn't say that. He said, hey, can you look after these people and kind of make sure this thing happens and, and do this? I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. He's like, cool. I'm like, I'm like, what, what does that mean? He's like, you know, like do one on ones and da da da. And I'm like, all right. So I did all this stuff and we were, I had like three people or something like that. And then I, uh, <laughs> like three months later, we were growing like crazy. And, uh, I, I, um, came into Tony's office. I'm like, Hey, we're like working hard. Could we, could we get more people? He's like, yeah, open a wreck. And I'm like, what's a wreck? How do <laughs> I, I like, even, how do I even do this? Anyway, um, did that for um, another four or five years. Went to a startup you've never heard well, of as their first engineering manager. Wait, but before so, you go there, did this initial anointing involve oil or was it just a conversation? <laughs> no, it was like there's so little circumstance, pomp and circumstance, that I didn't know it actually happened until way after. Until that. you were supposed to <laughs> like, like cool. open a piece of software and Dude, open a new wreck. No, whatever. <laughs> like do any of sort of the things that are actually expectations. There's no of matrix of like no, levels or anything. Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, yeah. There's, maybe there was, but no one showed it to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah. So you were after there you went to a, small a place startup. no one had heard yeah. of. Little tiny startup, um, which was actually uh, I've written a couple of books by the way, and this 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 startup experience, which was I guess about 
three and a half years. I'd have to go back and look at LinkedIn to actually remember. But uh, I took it from, I was employee 20. I took it up to 250. And then the dot-com thing exploded. So I took it down to 70, Mm. which uh, was just awful. That is awful. Yeah. That's a hard time. You learn the most. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You learn the the most about yourself, I think, um, when you have um, to do that. Yeah, this is... This, <laughs> oh, sorry. I got <laughs> no, no, it's okay. There's, <laughs> there's like the, the lessons you're supposed to say. And then there's the lessons you're like, you just need to learn that. And yeah. I'm never going to tell you that. And this is one of those mm-hmm. that I say, and I'm like, you're not going to believe me, but really this is actually the way I actually do it is, you know, like having hired all these people at this startup and then having to do, went through, I think three layoffs. Mm-hmm. You just really realize uh, the, the magnitude of the responsibility and also that like, oh, this is work. And, you know, I'm a, I, I've, been, I've gotten myself too close to these folks and mm. I'm firing my friends, which uh, it just it gives you a little bit of, to reminds you of the professional distance piece. That's really important, even though you want to be an empathetic, you know, yeah, kind human they're being. they're your friends. Just, yeah. <laughs> and you uh, get like, you're, you're going to be in that role. You're going to be in that position. Hopefully never. But sometimes you're just going to be like, oh, geez, I have to have this hard conversation. And that engagement pattern with your friend is different than with a coworker. So yeah. that was the, one of the lessons. Has that, that super rough. caused you to, to, to feel like you need to keep people a little bit more at arm's length since then? Or, or yep. okay, that's interesting. And that's, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the professional personal divide yeah, there. Yeah. And it's not like I don't like hang out with old coworkers and stuff like that. But the moment I'm no longer like in the reporting change, there's a different contract in my head. And it's not like a huge thing. It's just you got to remember that there's there's perhaps future choices you're going to have to make that it's going to be a different math with a friend than versus a coworker. Sure. Got to imagine all those potential futures. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Doctor Strange. Totally. (laughs) So so then what was yeah, what was after the small startup or or did you stick around for a while with 70 and No, no, I uh, I got a call from this uh little company in Cupertino um that wanted I was looking for a a senior manager to run a little product called Mac OS x at the time i'm sorry sorry mac os 10 uh, i was running i ran this part of the server team for at apple for about three four years um went there just to hide from the dot-com explosion and ended up staying there eight and a half years and building yeah building that's a long time to be somewhere all the time <laughs> um no it was we only i did servers for the first three or four years and then um i'm, I'm i usually change gears every now and then mm-hmm. so I, I went over and, and i was running the apple store for the last my last Three three years that I was there. Okay. Oh yeah. What was? How did you yeah. enjoy that compared to what you were <laughs> originally doing? Uh, I, I mean, Apple was a great um, experience for me because uh, I, I mean, I went there to my I was went there to hide because the world was just collapsing around me. <laughs> so I wanted to go and see somewhere big, uh, <laughs> somewhere well, like no, like paycheck. Like <laughs> I, I want to like pay the mortgage and that sort of stuff. Minor detail. So it was really good opportunity. Yeah, it's details. But I was um I was really. Uh, it was really, a, it was a lucky time because it was just after the iPod had come out and, and Apple just went on this and continues to be on this this tear. So it was really good to see the growth there. And just really, I've been a, I've been an Apple guy since I was a kid. I have posters of me when I was 14 with this big Apple poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. So it was really good to kind of, it was good to learn that a big company could feel small, I guess is probably one of the lessons there. But also I learned just so much about product design, design, typography, 
building at scale, building in big political organizations. So there was just a lot of lessons there. When you decided to leave Apple, what made you decide to leave after all that time? Just it's been a long time or? Yeah, I just got asked this by someone at Apple recently. <laughs> Why did you uh, leave? Friend, um, <laughs> and it was the, it was just like I wanted to see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple, I have a lot of dear friends that are continuing to be at Apple. They've been there for 30 years. Um, I just, there's more to learn. And I, 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 I bore super easily. Um, so mm-hmm. I was wanted to see, I wanted to try something new and it was uh, an opportunity presented itself to go to a company in Palo Alto called Palantir. So mm. I basically started my career. I, I was, I was an IC there, even though I had written a book by this point, point on leadership called managing humans. And I'd done this other stuff, but I just was like, cool, let's uh, give this a whirl. And they, they took a chance on me and it was a, uh, it's a unique company. It was a unique experience. Yeah. I, people have opinions about that company. But that's not what <laughs> this do. podcast is about. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, if you want to talk about it, I'm all there. But, you know, uh, so so you so you let's, let's pause there for a second because you said, you know, I'd already written this book about leadership at this point. So yeah. um, what how did you build up that information? Did you at any point get offered uh, training? A formal uh, management training of some kind or read books that really worked for you or how did you get oh, from I, like oh god what is a wreck to writing a book <laughs> about it well this situational awareness helped and being sort of aware of my surroundings i learned over time what these words meant and whatnot uh very little the first training class i had was at apple in leadership training and they've changed it now but i had like this three-month class that was the first time that i kind of did the personality test and the blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So um, it was, that was that, but I'd already, I think I'd finished the book by then. So mm-hmm. it's one of the things I say when I do talks and stuff, it's like, it's just shocking to me, the, uh, given how the important the role is, how very little we've actually invested in sort oh, of the, totally the training agree. and education of leaders. So yeah, yeah. there's a certain part of it, which is just, you have to do it, but like there's, there's literally there's answers to some questions that are really obvious that I think you could say, do this thing. Yeah. Do this some things thing, you have to live thing. through. And yeah, <laughs> as, I, as Kendall will attest, I asked this question a lot. Like, did they, did anyone give you any training to be a leader? Cause uh, that would be helpful. You could, you could be much more effective sooner. I would expect, but uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And is, is, do you see your book or your blog or these other things as uh, I mean, are are you writing to sort of understand your own process in leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So is, is it like, is it more about that and less about, Hey, when I was a young leader, I really wish I'd had, you know, uh, uh, the answer is both actually, it started really just kind of going like, this is dumb and this is how I describe it. But to, to, to Rachel's question, um, I read a lot of books and they were awful and they were probably pretty good, but like, they were all like these sort of like, you know, Peter Drucker management. And it was just like, it was, it wasn't, didn't speak to me as an engineer. So there was also just sort of a translation of the basic lessons into words that I understood. And that turns out resonated with a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. So that's, it was translating things I thought is like one of my favorite blogs back in the day was this, a friend of mine wrote it. His name's Michael Sippy. He's a medium Michael. now. He was a Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Michael. But he wrote this blog that really inspired me and he gets embarrassed whenever I tell this story, which is called Stating the Obvious. And he just like read this thing and like, this is dumb and this is how it should be. And it was much more elegant than that. And I'm like, yeah. And a lot of my my blog writing, which eventually became the book, was like, this is dumb or this is, seems really strange. And I think this is how it should be. And it turns out a lot of the, uh, not that I can claim to having a like super engineering set, a lot of those things were just common sense. And I thought they were obvious. 
turns out, because no one's being educated in this, that these obvious things are not actually that obvious because no one's actually taking time to write it down in a way that's meaningful and speaks to sort of we, the the engineering crowd. Yeah, through the right lens even. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So you were at Palantir and you were an IC there for a while. Uh, yeah. Four years or so, it's, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I did a about a year and a half of sort of being a free electron and bouncing around. And then uh, they're like, this guy knows how to do leadership stuff. I'm like, well, yeah. So they made me Wait, a what? director. Did you not know I had this book? <laughs> yeah. No, they, they knew. They were just, they were kind of letting me kind of bounce around and kind of, I called myself the CTO, the chief therapy officer, because I'd be like, what's going on here? And, da, da, da. and like, and then at one point it was like time to actually start like building things again. So they made me a director, um, but it was, it, Palantir is a different kind of company, obviously. And I wanted to get back to kind of more consumer software. And also I wasn't the head of engineering at Palantir. There was very talented other directors that were running that. And I wanted to do what I like regularly do so mm-hmm. went over to be the head of engineering at pinterest after palantir oh, okay and how long and were you there was, uh, yeah what was good about Pal- palantir sorry pa- sorry pinterest all these yeah. two words. i was at i was at pinterest um just about two years so so is apple your longest stint uh yeah borland was like five yeah i think it's eight and a half is was, oh. was the longest was apple were you yeah. in that weird scotts valley uh campus at borland Weird. You have not clearly been I there. I have been it's there. The <laughs> I interviewed there at the end of the Times, and I was like, well, there's something uh, wrong with this place now. <laughs> it was a long time later. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah. it was an interesting place no, with a duck pond in the middle. That's what I remember. Yeah. No, I was there before, and then they built it, and we called it Versailles because everything came collapsing down after mm-hmm. we built it. Yeah. Um, but it's literally one of my favorite memories in terms of a campus but it was populated with all these people and everything and then it went yeah it was kind of empty when i went there yeah spooky it's still there yeah isn't it some other thing now entirely uc santa cruz oh that explains it okay well anyway we're not talking about real estate um (laughs) sorry you gotta you gotta second it to someone um well so so (laughs) i'm curious just on the topic of your your tenure at these places uh i mean i have you know, I talk to people who've been in one job for 10 years or 15 years. And uh, right. and it's this weird thing in tech where like people want you to be loyal, right? Like they don't like seeing every 18 months you've jumped ship. But then as soon as you're at like 10 years, everyone's like, this guy can only do one thing, right? Or this person can only do one <laughs> thing. And I'm just curious how you right, see that. Right. Like, would you actually coach a younger person, particularly someone interested in leadership to move around a little bit? Or would you suggest that they stay put? Or is there a limit on that that jumping and uh what's that look like yeah it's i mean there's people at apple who've been there 20 30 years that are perfectly happy and had lots of different gigs there that is not for me at all um there's just too much going on in tech that i i i I have a i'm deathly afraid of becoming irrelevant and i just want to be able to see the new things and experience them whether that's you know data science or ad tech or collaboration software pick your thing that i've done for the last 20 years um it's a uh, i want to be able to um oh, sorry i gotta log into the computer um uh i want to be able to see new things and that's for me so but to, i think there's a there is a fine line is what you're talking about which is these mercenary types that are like i get my one year oh no i get my cliff and right. i'm out that's obvious to me. And you look at my background, you can see it on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm like around, you know, three years, four years, and I, I tend to move on. So um, 
it's just, I feel like I've done my work in terms of, you know, building whatever I signed up to do. And I understand the system that I understand the culture and it's kind of like, I, I can go see what the next thing is. So it's, you gotta, you don't want to, it's a, there's a, there's a needle to thread there. I agree. Yeah, sure. Well, so if, if you're always interested in what's next and staying on top of the hot new technology, why haven't you worked in blockchain? <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> oh, no, I, it's, very, it's a really good question. It's, it's like literally on the list of, of like six things that are like, cool, that's cool. Let's go do that. Let's, let's go figure that out. Like I haven't done hardware before. That could be just totally fascinating. I mean, there's a bunch of things like that. So, um, okay. blockchain hasn't, blockchain fascinates me as a, as a technology, but the swirl around it is like, I'm like, mm-hmm. what? It, it smells, it's it smells like there's something. Yeah. It's super culty yeah, that's, that's and I don't I, like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But there's some, some fascinating technology to understand. Sure. Just, yeah. what, what is it actually useful for? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few places where yeah, I'm told okay. it probably sure. is useful. Um, well, Databases. so then, uh-huh. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it's I think it's data buy uh, when it's oh, um, good. Good. so so you write a lot about the things you've learned over the years, uh, yep. and and you know this this may have already been written down, but when you look back, I mean, right now on the spot on this podcast, what's what's the harder or more embarrassing lesson that you've had to learn to get to where you are today, and and was it that you know laying off 130 people uh, at that tech startup, or was it something yeah. else? No, I was talking to one of my engineers today. Erica and she just got promoted to senior engineer and we were having a discussion about what's next for her in terms of like these are the things he wants to go do and I cut out a bunch of talking in the middle but at one point I just told her which is the answer to your question which is one of my biggest lessons I see there being basically three buckets of leadership skills broad buckets there's vision can you can you see the tip of the mountain and can you poetically describe how we are going to get there. Not the tactics, not the strategy, but like we have to do this thing. We have to climb this mountain. So that's vision. There's a whole set of skills there. And underneath that is the strategy. Cool. We have a mountain to climb and there's this road. And on this road, we have to put signs to say what we're going to do on each step up the mountain. And the ability to do that is strategy. Great. And then tactics is can you read road signs? <laughs> and yeah. I giggle whenever I say that one, but it's actually one of the most important skills is that ability to say, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it. And when someone asks me to do something, I'll meet a commitment. So those those broad skills, which there's a whole like book I'm writing on that right now about that, um, I there's you have some rating, give you 100 points. Give, how much do you think... The, 40 in vision, 40 in strategy, and 20 in tactics. That's me right now. I spent a huge amount of my career, early part of my career, thinking I was better at things that I was actually bad at. And there's this moment of self-reflection of knowing what you're good at and where you need to grow and truly, truly letting that in because I was wrong for decades, like badly. And I wasn't listening to people and I was overvaluing things I could do. And by the way, it wasn't like a disaster, but I kept on saying, by the way, that 20 on tactics is close. I boring. I, I just don't like the monotony, bureaucratic crossing things off the list. And by the way, there are humans out there that I depend on every single day who just love to do that piece. And yeah. I can get it up to a 30 if I need to, but actually admitting and listening because other people tell you this. They're like, Lop, tactics are not your thing don't do that, right? <laughs> Strategy, you're great at vision. Oh my gosh. But like that piece there, you like need to build a team. And the reason it was important, there was a hard lesson was number one, I screwed it up so much. But number two is you have to let other people in say, okay, 
you're my, you're the tactical muscle of this team. And, and you're my partner on this or that, or this sort of thing. And that's, that's actually the first part of like delegating. That's the first part of stepping back as a leader. And it took me so long to learn that I was writing books about leadership before I understood what I was talking about. Right. How now. do you feel about well, that? Does that feel weird? I mean, you're, you know, essentially no. a leader in a very large community. Uh, and, yeah. and how, how do you convey that? Like you can still be learning, you could still be getting it all wrong and no, writing but, it down. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's just, you're not, no one, sorry, this sounds so dumb. It's like, no one's perfect. And it's, you're always learning. This is actually the great joy in life and why I leave my job every three or four years is because I just, I want that learning thing to, to be so fulfilling. And like, yes, there's like, you screw it up and like, maybe people suffer or you make a bad decision and that turns into a bad business outcome. But like, the, you know, we just said this at the beginning. Did we say this at the beginning? Which is like, the, yeah, the layoff. It's like one of the most powerful lessons. It was awful. It was an awful seven mm -hmm. months. And, and I look back on it going, God, I learned so much stuff there. And that's the, 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 the learning part is just the thing that keeps you going. Otherwise, you know, you're sitting at a company for three years, 30 years, doing something stamping out paper clips. Yeah. sorry whoever <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. so we never actually got to the end of your uh, of your uh path so oh. you're, you're oh, at pinterest yeah, okay. and then after that i have more questions rachel i want to interrupt know. more sorry you can go ahead it's all about interrupting. uh yeah so i got a uh Stuart butterfield the ceo dm'd me at at Pinterest and said, Hey, and I said, yeah. And I see like, you're using what Slack. Do you think? And I'm like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so I, uh, he's like, you should come in. And, and as all, all recruiting stories start, he's like, well, it can't hurt anything. And then I was, I was at Slack and that happened about three and a half years ago. I just finished, I just finished my third year in May. So what is it? August. Oh. So, and ta-da, here we are now. I did a podcast. It's yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. And now you're here and you're at an interesting time at the company's lifetime. And it's, it's a very interesting company. Yep. You're, you're dealing with a lot of issues at scale. Um, yep. What is a leadership issue you're dealing with or thinking about right now? Oh, uh, how much time do we have? Um. Yeah, we have as long as you need. This is about you. Remember? <laughs> um, <laughs> and leadership issues. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to sort this list. The uh, <laughs> let's see, I'm just gonna pick Bubble something. Um, I think one of the things, it, you know, uh, when you're rapidly growing a company, about every uh, every was it every third, every time you get to th three times the size, everything breaks, um, mm -hmm. or whatever that number is. Um, so uh, we're in this phase. We we went public a couple of months ago, and we're in this phase of just like, oh, this is a whole new thing, and there's just so much <laughs> learning going on right now. So, um, and it's like it's it's the thing that's confusing is like, well, this has worked fine for like a year, whatever this is, right? And it's been fine, and it's been without like, and now this thing, and nothing's changed. It's the same people saying the same things, and da da da. da. But now it doesn't work at this scale, and listening, hearing that and debugging that is like, and it's any number of things is the challenging part for me right now. I'm just like, I'm like, what, what, why, what, like how, and why, this, <laughs> right? yeah, why, why, this was, this has been six months with like crickets and I miss crickets. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's the challenging part. It's yeah. Kind of and like a lot of, well, a lot of places that grow this fast and we've had folks, you know, go through rapid growth. Uh, um, I myself experienced it at, at Splunk, you know, but um, the, the the difficulty is often centered around the appropriate way to communicate with your 
with your teams yeah. and you yeah. have you know you have a special benefit in that area do you, <laughs> do, do you you know do you find that you had an easier time with that or did you have different kinds of problems we have different i mean we're the slackiest slack that has ever slacked so like mm. there's no email everything's happening inside of there but it creates all sorts of new issues we just had this uh, new vp start and i was i was talking with them and he's like i things move so fast here. There's mm -hmm. so much context. There's so much decisions happening quickly because nobody's waiting on a meeting. They can get in a channel. They can they get a lop in there. They get Julie in there. Da, da, da. We ask the thing and it's done. And like everywhere else, they're waiting for the meeting or they're waiting for everyone to get through their inbox and get to that one message. It doesn't work that mm -hmm. way. Everyone's yeah. reading everything and there's no other means by which to communicate. There is no email. So a lot of companies have both, which is like harder. Um, but it's a, uh, it does create all sorts of other challenges, which is like the FOMO is real and you've mm. got to develop a really, a really clear protocol with what I've been going to pay attention to and what am I not going to pay attention yeah, to? Muting channels, et cetera. Muting channels, yeah. using stars, you know, like shift escape is when you mark everything red, I call it the lopsalute. Cause I'm just like, I'm done. Great. Nope. Don't worry. Bankruptcy. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I do it 10 times a day. So, cause. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, but because Mind I can go blown. back and start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I just started. I yeah. can give you a whole talk on that, but uh, yeah, it's well, uh, good. <laughs> well, so I want to go back to the the whole like just the constant reinventing as things are growing, and uh, right. I mean, this is something you know I, I think about a lot. Is like my role has changed a lot over the last few years, and I'm constantly wondering: Am I reimagining this fast enough? Have I backed up and gotten out of the way where I'm supposed to? Have I gone into the fire where I'm supposed to? Like, how do you figure out? For yourself, because I mean, the company needs to change, you know, what got what right. got slack here isn't going to get slack there. But then LOP also has to change. How right. do you, you know, do you have a process or a system for reevaluating this? Or do you just kind of feel your way? I'm feeling my way. I have no, no yeah, clarity. I mean, it. maybe a different <laughs> way of framing that relative to sort of my like three to four years. It's not like a well-defined rubric, but I, I do. I do. Actually, my wife knows before I do because she's heard this now every four years for the last 20. Um, I say something along the lines of, hmm, kind of bored. And and by the way, it's about this little tiny thing that has nothing to do with any little thing, but she just her face just goes gray because she's like, oh, here comes the process. Because then it, go, it goes from the board to, like, to blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly I'm answering a, a DM from Stuart and going like, hey, cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. It's sure. Yeah. It's, but it's not, I don't do that in year one or two. It's usually around three or four when kind of the, I'm doing the trade-off analysis and going like, ooh, new. That could be interesting. So, no. <laughs> sure. And also, you you know, so you you've said over uh, several times you're typically at a place three or four years. You're of three years, got another uh -huh. year. Is there? Do you have a later plan? <laughs> like sometime later? What do you mean? Like my? What's the next thing? Yeah. What's do? the next thing? Yeah. I don't know, but there's a lot of people who are wondering that. <laughs> there are. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm really super happy at Slack. There's the, I've never done the public company thing before. So that it's almost, it feels like a reset to me because there's things which are very familiar. And I look around my staff meeting, it's the same people, but like, we've got, we've got, we've got a different lens that we're looking at through everything. So I was really super proud of the company getting through that moment. And now I'm just like looking at it and we just talked about it. I'm like, everything's breaking. It's not everything's broken. It's just like everything. Like, there's like all these unfamiliar things that are happening. And that's, that goes back to that stimulus that I'm looking for. I'm getting a lot of yeah. that right now in a good way. Sure. Right. In terms of like, Ooh, this is, this is 
new. I need to communicate to this differently, or we need a different artifact, or mm-hmm. some other configuration of the people needs to happen. I don't and know. Prioritization yeah. is set with different sets of yeah. constraints and yeah. different outcomes in mind. And yeah, like once you go public, a lot of things change about the way you make decisions. That's right. Yeah. Like, what's a? I guess you. You know, that's a. That's a major question. Like, how does that change? But uh, like. Yeah, I'm gonna not answer that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do you? Uh, do you feel like? Um, you've had. Have you taken? You've gone through an IPO before with a company of scale, right? Have you done that before? Nope. I can't remember. Oh, okay. I thought you had been through that process before. Okay. So nope. the, the question I was going to ask doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> well, so then I, I've got one. So so uh, in the realm of you know all these lessons you've learned and the advice you give to others and write down and as you just continue to chew on this stuff, when you look back, has somebody given you tremendously bad advice at, ever, at any point in your career that you've Could. been like, wow, that was really bad? <laughs> Gosh, I'm sure, but I, I I tend to be an optimist, so I like I dump the garbage. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I'm sh- I don't I can't. That's a great question. No, that, that okay. advice it takes, it takes away all the fun <laughs> though. If, if if you really hold grudges, you're a lot more interesting. Uh, I'm sure that someone in my career. I'm kind of famous for one on ones because I just I believe they're an incredibly cheap way to invest in the team and connective tissue and trust and respect. And I'm sure that someone important and said why are you spending so much time with your people <laughs> yeah yeah and they, were, they thought that. like you should be doing something else that was bad it. advice yeah. <laughs> oh, well wow. so then I, I i remember my question from earlier back to the, the the people that you're spending all that time with um so you, you talked about the the tactics and the strategy and the vision right and and yeah. there's the pieces of that that you're really good at and the pieces that you're realizing maybe you're not as good at i mean who are the people like when you look back over the people that have really just complimented you well like are there one or two and whether you use names or not but just talk about like who are the people that you're like i was able to kick ass because this person was the right person yeah i'll talk about two um i had a i had a manager um and i'll talk about sort of the attributes um i had a manager that literally said some basically this he said hey lop he didn't say lop he probably said lop he um he said, <laughs> hey <laughs> not this again <laughs> <laughs> um i think he would have i think he would have called me lop anyway uh he said hey like you're a good engineer which is code for you're okay and <laughs> there's a he's like you're coming. fine you're fine at this but you're yeah. um you're People skills, especially with engineers, are world class. You you sit back in a meeting and you're aware of what everyone's thinking about. You understand how this meeting's going. You say a sentence when it goes off the rails and bring it back. And like, you, and the thing is, you think that everybody can do that, and most people cannot. And that's amazing. And you should be a manager. And he it, literally, I dedicated the first book to this guy. Um, that he was right. <laughs> and it was. There's this another back to the lessons you learn, like those things that you do that are so easy to you are not easy for everybody. You have some set of skills. You're like, it's boring to you because you're just like, uh, just listen in a meeting and understand emotions and intel- emotional intelligence and politics and blah, 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 blah. And, and you tell it to someone else and they're like, you do what in a meeting? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I just do this. Um, and that's, that was really powerful advice for me. And, I, you know, it turned into the book and all these things because a lot of what I believe is is just this, the importance of the humans you're working with. But like, that really means listening to them and like understanding what they need and how to grow them. And like, we just, we're not 
a lot of humans are not equipped to do that well. So, and I just do it as part of that instinctively. So that was a good one. Um, but, but we don't have any time to think about the things we do well. We're too busy agonizing over the things we do poorly. <laughs> right. But I'm now giving, I'm giving you permission to go be great at those things. That oh, you do. Yeah, and, and, uh, Kendall doesn't need reminding of the things he does well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't know it until someone pointed it out. So it was good news for yeah. me. So in, in, in terms yeah, of getting like good advice or good well, support. Wait, Rachel. What? Rachel, he has another one. He had one oh, more oh, he wanted to oh, talk me about. Again. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, the other one was someone who worked for me. And I, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but the, the this is a director. And this human and I like so totally on the same wavelength, different people, different skill sets, but like mutual respect was a 10 communication was a 10. Like, and that means that like, I could say, Hey, person X, here's this. And whenever you hand off a task to someone else in your head, you do this math, you go, okay, it's Bob. And Bob's like a seven on reliability, which means I need to check in twice and then I'll be done. And that's okay. Cause he's a seven. This person I'm talking about, 10 on all this. So like I say, hey, by the way, we need to go climb Everest, uh, figure out a plan, and can you get it to me by Friday? And they're like, Monday? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And it's done in my head. Like, we're done. I don't have to think about it. The plan's going to be good. If there's questions, I'll get asked them. And, uh, you know, that's all. Th that's very rare. You've, you've got like fives to tens on the dairy attributes of what people you're working with, which is great, and that's fine. But this, this person, I realized that when you really connect with your team, really, really, and by it didn't happen overnight, but like, when you really have that degree of trust and respect, all the other things just, <laughs> it just comes, it's, it's amazing. So mm -hmm. um, uh, that was another person that was impactful. Being in sync with someone yeah. like that is always great. Oh my gosh, so good. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, so the question I was going to ask <laughs> was, um, in your you know in your process of going from being an individual contributor and then moving through these various leadership roles uh what what is your relationship with authority like um has it changed do you how do you feel about having authority over other people and how do you feel about other people having authority over you um I really, really don't like being told what to do really well, the way that I've framed the authority thing is the following, which is it's, are you ask assertive or tell assertive and authority, I have major issues with authority, which is why if I ask you to, if I say, if I need you to do something, um, I will ask you, Hey, what do you think about this thing? Um, or, Hey, have you thought about this and da da da. And as opposed to me saying, and when I say this, I do this example in other places, I actually get mad when I say, I'm like, do this thing. Like literally we're not even talking about anything specific and I'm mad and I'm the one saying it, <laughs> right? It's like, um, it's not, I have, there's like therapy I need on this, but like there's something there, which really just, it, it really oh. pushes me, my buttons in the wrong way. So, um, and I think that translates into when I'm I, talking with any other person, you will never see me be directive or tell assertive. I will be very that to a fault, by the way. Mm, yeah, um, I was going to say, there fault. are some folks who do like do better with just direct instructions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, have yeah. you've had, have you had like staff that are like that and you've just had to work around this or. I, I, I've gotten better at understanding sort of where someone lies on that spectrum, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know that I can dial up tell versus ask there. So 
uh, there's folks that would like it more, but it, I will always default on the ass yeah. side just because that's how I would like to be treated. Uh-huh. Is it necessary to like for, for you to feel comfortable telling someone what to do? It's necessary for you to have an explicit agreement that they're okay with that? Um, it's not an agreement <laughs> as much as we've gone through enough that I know that we're both cool uh-huh. with, with Telesurf. Okay. All right. So no, no, no contract has been signed. <laughs> Do when when so then when you're when you have a report that's dealing with you know that has some issue that you know you're putting on some kind of formal plan or something like that I mean at that point you're basically sitting down and saying hey I have been tell passive enough uh, you know that that you're not getting it and so now I'm being more tell assertive or whatever the you know the, this word is that right. you're using yeah, like yeah. It, it, is that a really hard conversation for you to say hey you know I've, I've given you the benefit of the doubt now I need you to really hear me and just do what I'm asking yeah um, you're you're I understand what you're asking you're synthesizing and sort of the answer is yes I, I can do that but there's about nine steps to what you just said and that sure. I will go through to get to that point. And by the way, you'll know it's coming and it won't be a surprise. So uh, there's in my head, there is like this check of like, okay, sort of this inclusive, ask all the things, consensus building thing is not getting me the results that I'm looking for. So I'm going to dial up tell, but it's not like the next one is going to be like, hey, we're moving three people out of your team over here. Get with the program. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll, there'll be a gentle sort of, uh, there'll be a gentle ish sort of move more towards that. And um, yeah. To, to flip that on the, on its other side, like there are lots of folks in leadership roles that are very tell oriented. And have you yep. had that kind of management? And oh, yeah. what do you, how do you manage up? I love the topic of managing up as well. So if you have any thoughts on that in general, I'd well, love to hear that. Two questions. Have I had it? The answer is yes. I worked at Apple. Um, that's number one (laughs) um but um the second question was like how do i deal with it so yeah how did you manage up through that or do you just leave or do you you know um i managing up always kind of pushes my button because it sort of comes comes off as um sort of like i'm trying to portray a, a version of the world that is not necessarily true kind of what they want to see and that's not what managing up is Managing up is understanding what your manager needs to be successful and how you can support her or him. And that's, I, that's my, that's my gig is Mm -hmm. because I've always had a boss. um, And I just, I want to, I am not comfortable until I understand, okay, this is what they're looking for over the next three months, six months, year. And this is how they communicate. Um, These are the things that they're interested in because it's always different. And this is how I can stay ahead of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Um, and that's that's the thing. So it's just that they're in a, they're getting what they expect out of me. And I, I, as you move up the leadership ladder path, whatever it is, um, you have more and more expectation of you owning and driving all of that. Um, I'm a VP of product engineering. I was just telling someone today, I don't tell the people what to do at all. Like I, I broadly say, these are the places that we need to invest. And my team's responsible for like, cool, uh, we got to go hit this number. We got to do this thing. Da, da, and they got to run their business. And um, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of telling and there's not a lot of managing up. <laughs> They're managing well, up. I'm sure I they also are. mean the same. No, right. I imagine everyone with any intelligence about their boss is managing up in some way. And I also yeah, mean it the same way that, you, it's a, it's a, it's not something you can do without having made an investment in understanding your boss. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hard part. So, so when you do understand your boss, you can have the conversation with them about, you know, hey, maybe not quite tell me what to do in that way, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and then 
our, our follow-up to this question is always, do you have a different relationship with authority now than, than when you were a kid? I mean, speaking of bosses or right. versus maybe parents or teachers, do you, do you feel like that's different? You know, the answer, honest answer is I don't have any internal difference. Like if you told me what to do right now, that same seven-year-old lop is going to be like, grr, what you. is different? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, what's very different is a uh, 49-year-old LOP has built a whole system of and membranes around that to be like, okay, you're not reacting to this right now. This is this is what this person needs. What is this what they actually mean? Yes, it'd be great if they did ask versus tell, but like there's this whole process and it's happening in a second where I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. cool. And I and I divert the energy over to somewhere else. It's still happening. Like it really is inside sure. of me, but but I'm but I have a much a more mature response. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. All and right. then before we want to pivot towards the end here, towards your your personal life, and hear a little bit about outside of work, Lop. But but first, sure. I, I want to ask. I mean, you've been in a lot of different senior leadership roles. What do you yep. think separates senior leadership from more junior leadership in skills or abilities or even personality? The big, the big, the big one that really is the senior leadership differentiator for me is: um, can you give away your toys completely? Um, you're, 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 especially for engineers, this is hard. That ability to say, here, here is this big thing that needs to be done, and you're be great at it because you've done it four times before. You built that thing four times before with teams of 20, 30, 100, blah, blah, blah. And you literally have to give that thing to someone else completely. They need to know it's theirs. You know, you need to hold them accountable for that. And that's just really, really hard for engineers. And what I look at with directors, which I kind of consider the first sort of step into senior leadership, is how much can they step back and let their team be versus them kind of being in in the weeds and micromanaging. And sometimes that's necessary. That's just, it's a fact. But that's that's the big difference is like, can you step back and let your other leader leads? That's yeah. the big one. And do you, do you even like... Uh, I've, I've heard so much about engineering managers that feel like they, they have to be coding or else they're not worth their, you know, they can't lead other people. What do you have folks like that in your, you know, in your experience yeah. and how do you talk to them about this? It's, I mean, I, I flipped, I flipped on this. I went, I was very firmly don't code and I flipped back to coding um, because not because I need to have, uh, have reputation with the team about being a code. It's just, I want to keep those muscles working. Um, I don't write features. I'm never blocking anything. I haven't checked in. I don't think I've checked in any code at Slack, but I'm still coding. And it's just because those I want those muscles to be limber. Um, so it's, it's it's a nice balance. I used to be very firmly, do not code. You can't do that. If you're the CTO, if the chief architect, you can do that. VP of product engineering, like, no, I shouldn't be doing that. But there is still working those muscles. I think that's very important. Okay. Hmm. And as uh, Kendall said, we would like to pivot to your personal life um what Ooh. are your hobbies out of work outside of work i write all the time you write are you only <laughs> working on your book or do you write other kinds of things i uh let's see i have the book the next book that's done in november i've been writing a children's book for like Whoa. seven years i didn't know that um, was that was yeah. that public knowledge uh it is now oh um, does it have a title <laughs> what's the title <laughs> uh no, this is this is it's going to be another like seven years. Oh, okay. It's seven books, and it's like world building stuff right now. So oh. it's yeah, it's fun. Um, but it's like it's this, not called managing your human parents. Sorry, no, it's, it's, it's not like a picture book. It, it's not. It's no, 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 like no, 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 it's no, no, no. more like a young adult type yeah. thing. Or okay. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. All right, all right. I get you. I get you. Ah, cool. Really 
Wow. Um, but when, I've been, go ahead. Well, no, finish your thought. We, we keep interrupting you while you're trying to answer. <laughs> I write 500 words a day, no matter what. That's uh-huh. the hobby. And I'm also, big on, uh, I've really gotten into biking in the last three, four years. So, um, so mm. I've been doing that as a hobby as well. Yeah. Kendall so, is into biking also. Ooh. Well, I mean, on motor- I'm a on, hipster, on so I own a fixie, but that's, yeah. that's, that's it. So, I, I mean, I have two follow-up questions to that. You said, um, uh, writing all the time is that like you said, 500 words per day, no matter what, but it, it does it tend towards three hours a day or a half an hour a day? And you manage to just have the cadence. It's the cadence uh, or, is really there, but like, okay. like a Saturday, there's a Saturday where there are 500 words or a chapter and that could be, that could be 3000 words. Um, so sure. it really depends on the day, but it's more just that, um, kind of like exercising. Is this something I want to do every day? I don't exercise every day, but I exercise as much as I can. It's just that thing that I do. And the thing is, uh, a friend of mine told me this, or I told a friend this, it's like the, the values, the ROI on writing for me, by the way, I've made okay money on the books, but like nothing amazing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the value from taking thoughts, writing them down, passing them to other people, giving, have them looking cool. That's amazing. You know, the books that came out of that, uh, the talking that came out of that, that all comes from writing. Like mm-hmm. everything I'm saying to you on this podcast is something that I've written down in my head already at some point. Right. And yeah. that thing is, that's the important part is like, for me, it just crystallized how I think. And it, and like it, teaches me how I think about a thing when I write it down. And that's just like, I, I can't imagine a more critical investment for a leader to not to like figure out how she or he like feels about a thing as opposed to like yeah. YOLO over drinks saying, well, what do you think about this? Like I, when I write it down, it's not like in stone, but it's right. much more considered than, than bar talk or at a staff meeting or something like that. Well, so does the writing take place in the morning with coffee in the evening with yeah. whiskey in the morning with whiskey? <laughs> Never whiskey. Whiskey is just, I don't have the palate for it. I like, I like a, my more uh, sweet drinks. Um, writing majority, uh, unless I'm under deadline is 70% is before 2 PM. If I'm under deadline, like, uh, which I am now, I'll be writing out right after this. <laughs> oh. And it's harder. It's really hard at night. And you're like, oh. yeah. Yeah. You know, we normally wrap these up right now, but I think we could tack on another hour if it causes some strain. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> well, then my, my, my second follow-up question to that was just road or mountain bike, and or is it both? Um, so it's a good question, but the answer is gravel. Gravel bike, yeah. What they do is it's a. It looks like a. It looks like a, a road bike with the drop bars and everything. But the geometry of the frame is such that it's mountain bike, so it's raised up a little bit. I live in the Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, just south of San Francisco, and there's. Uh, by the way, cars are on the road, and they're going to win every fight that you ever have with a car on a bike. So cars yeah. are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to ever have a car situation. If you're on a road, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So I want to extend when as wide as possible. So um, there's a ton of roads up here. Some of them are like fire roads and some of them are like um, just not very driven on roads. So a gravel bike has not slightly knobbier tires um, and it has a drop bar so you can really climb well and stuff. But it's it's meant to be on like fire roads and little bumpier roads. Mm-hmm. And it's just absolutely perfect for where I live. And I'm just super lucky where I live. There's so much, any direction. There's a 40 mile, 50 mile, 20 mile ride, whatever I want. And 85% of that is no car. I'll see one car in an hour. 
and also I'm in the Santa Cruz Mountain. It's beautiful and it's gorgeous. It is so, nice up there. Um, yeah. yeah and so if if I have a cousin launching a Kickstarter for a tool to write while you bike, uh, are you interested? <laughs> sure, I'm. I'll, 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 that sounds intriguing. <laughs> I always think about that because I, I, yeah, I spend time in the mountains running or whatever, and I'm always like, man, I could, I could be so creative if I could write while I ran, but it would also probably ruin my time. Well, this is the thing. Like, this is as important to me as writing as this biking thing because biking for me is forced shower thoughts. You know, those shower thoughts you're sitting there going, God, what's going on with the thing? You're like, oh my God, I need to do this. And you're like, where the hell did yeah. that come from? I'm not religious at all. And it's like, it's the most religious thing when your brain just goes and says, it's 27. You're like, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that. I didn't, and it is <laughs> yeah. 27. And that's amazing. <laughs> so, but biking for me is I do like one to three hour long rides is one to three hour long shower time where I'm just kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? So I've developed a system where I think of something like, oh, I have to write that talk or this is the, the title of that paragraph. I keep a one word a one word reference back to the thought. Like, I don't know, uh, slot, and that's a bad one, speaker. Okay, speaker is this whole thing. I want to buy a speaker or something like, so I keep this list and I've discovered I can keep about seven, like seven on the queue, like seven wow. words. And they, they got to, and I repeat them like, is speaker everywhere, work items, blah, 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 whatever that is. And if it gets more <laughs> than like that, I, I start to get nervous. You're like charging through the gravel, <laughs> yeah, chanting exactly. these words. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm like, okay, I could drop this one because it's really not, an, it was really important an hour ago, but this is far less important than this other one word. So. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the great thing about biking is I, I queue up so much like strategic material when I'm, I'm biking. Okay. I assume like you could am... maybe also do sort of voice recordings, but you're probably out of breath and that probably doesn't help. Yeah. I just don't want to stop. I mean, I will, it's true. Your answer is your observation is correct. At some point I may stop, pull up my phone and just type the words in and do a reset. But mm -hmm. I like, I kind of, I'm on this thing of like doing a full ride without stopping, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that's I, I only make it to my second item on a list before I forget. Like I, I cannot remember a third thing period under it. any circumstances. No, Aww, it doesn't. Like it a doesn't goldfish. So, <laughs> no, Mrs. Yeah, so Randall, I'm, my 11x honors English teacher taught us this thing. We had this incredibly hard honors English class and it was hard. It was like hard. Like she's like, you will get a C on your first essay. All of you amazing writers are getting C's. Don't worry about it. And we're like, uh -huh, I'm getting A's for two years. And you got it. It was like an F. And you're like, oh my gosh. Because she really like graded you hard on like the thoughtfulness and all the all the mechanics around it. And then we got to this portion of this honors English class has to do with the topic we're talking about. I swear to God, is she's like, hey, by the way, the next month is free points. All you do have to do is learn how to memorize. And we were memorizing words and like the root. The meaning of the word, the spelling of the word, the Latin root, maybe something else. And she taught us how to memorize. There's like 30 words, I'd say. And she's like, write this piece of paper, write down the word. Here's the definition and Latin root. And she's like, do it 40 times. And I swear to God, it works. Like you, like the first ten times, you're getting like none of it right, and then you're starting to do it. And like forty, you get it all right time. Like your brain like in this trick. class, <laughs> it's a magic trick. Your brain actually learns it. And there's like thirty of these words, and you have to remember three different attributes around it. And your oh, brain yeah. just like learns how to do it. So oh man, works, when you when you <laughs> first said this was an eleven x uh, English teacher, I was like, is this like a ten x engineer? First, know, you had me way off for a second there. Junior year, junior year. So I know, I know. Grade. 
I, I, I want to believe it, but my brain is just too efficient in memory cleanup. So um, <laughs> it's a garbage collection. You had a garbage collection issue. Yeah, there, that's right. Jinx. So <laughs> so we got to wrap up for time's sake. We've got a little bit huh? over, but this was this was worth yeah. it. So Thanks, um, tell us where where can people find you on the internet. Um, uh, Rans and Repose is the name, ransomrepose.com is the blog. That I've been doing a podcast too with a guy named Lyle. We call it The Important Thing. I've been doing that. Uh, on Amazon, you can find the books I've written. There's another one coming out in March of 2020. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much for well, being so much. on the show. Absolutely. That was great.